Welcome to the Clear Cruise podcast. My name is Andy Harmer. I'm the Managing Director of Clear in the UK, and it's great to have your company for the latest episode of our podcast, which kind of has an expedition feel to it. In fact, it has a very expedition feel to it. An expedition has been in the news recently a lot more than normal, largely because of the large number of ships being invested in to take guests on a fabulous expedition cruise somewhere in the world. And actually, in today's podcast, we really focus on Antarctica and the Arctic as two of the big expedition cruise destinations. And to do that, I spoke to Sarah Schlederer. She is the Business Development Manager, UK and Ireland, for Quark Expeditions. And we chatted all things expedition. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. Thank you for having me. Appreciate your time as well. It's all good. It's always nice to talk to somebody new about something very exciting. So um, thank you for being our guest uh, this time. Um, how, what's your journey been so far to get to Quark Expeditions? Right. Well, I mean, I've always been in the travel industry, um, you know, from studying tourism and um, business studies at university through to working in the accommodation sector um, and then eventually found my way to London. I'm not from the UK. You might hear from my accent. I am Australian, but I moved to the UK 12 years ago um, and started working for a very large tour operator. Um, was there for a number of years and I was specializing in selling their marine products. So most of all expedition cruising, polar expedition cruising, um, but also Galapagos river cruise and small yacht sailing charters as well. So anything that floats basically is what I was looking (laughs) after. Um, You know, and then as per almost all of us in this industry, 2020 was a really tough year. Um, And like so many of my peers in this industry, unfortunately, um, I was let go in 2020. And uh, very fortunately, managed to get snapped up by Quark in December of 2020. So right in the thick of it, um, you know, whilst unfortunately, a lot of travel companies were um, having to downsize their teams, Quark was actually growing, getting ready and getting prepared for the big boom that was inevitably going to come post-pandemic, you know, and getting to the right staffing levels to ensure that, especially here in the UK and Ireland, that um, we were properly represented. So, yeah, I I, I joined Quark in the thick of it. Unfortunately, when we weren't operating any trips at all, so it took uh, a little bit of time before I was able to get out and experience Quark's amazing product. But um, here I am two and a half years later and uh, we're operating again, which is super exciting. I've been out to experience the product and I I just love where I am. I love this company. Love it. Uh, Yeah. And I think once we work in travel, we never want to work anywhere else. Right. So uh, travel kind of grabs you. You know what? Like so many people, I had that sort of soul searching. What on earth could I do? This is all I know. This is all I love. I'm not a salesperson. You know, I sell holidays. I sell voyages. I sell you know passion and you know I thought gosh what on earth am I going to do and in the middle of all that soul searching not having an answer quite snapped me up so <laughs> happy to still be in this industry I won't be going anywhere absolutely absolutely now for those um who don't know much about Quark, can you kind of give us a short kind of overview of exactly who they are 
Yeah, absolutely. So Quark Expeditions, we've been operating for 32 years now. Um, so 1991, um, we actually took the first group of commercial passengers to the North Pole. So that's how Quark um, began. Um, and since then, over those three decades, we've been uh, operating exclusively in the polar regions. So both Antarctica and the Arctic. Um, completed a number of firsts for our clients over those years. You know, we were the first company to take commercial guests on a full circumnavigation of Antarctica. Um, you know, many other other firsts across the years. But uh, at the crux of what we do, it's you know taking guests to the ends of the earth, both Antarctica and the Arctic, to very very remote parts of the world. But arguably the most exciting, the most rare, the most unique, and the most special, um, and certainly some of the most special uh, and rare wildlife encounters we had in these parts of the world as well. And, and very different places as well. We often lump together those polar regions, but actually they, they, they both offer very different experiences. Absolutely. I mean, there are some similarities. You can expect ice. <laughs> you can expect various shades of white and blue, um, whether you're in the Arctic or the Antarctic. But, you know, they are vastly different. If you look at the basics, Antarctica is land surrounded by ocean, whereas the Arctic is ocean surrounded by land. It covers three different continents, the Arctic. So, um, you know, they are very, very different destinations very different wildlife as well. Typically, most people going up to the Arctic are wanting to see polar bears in their natural habitat on the sea ice. Um, and then down in Antarctica, penguins are the major draw cards. So, you know, despite the Christmas ads and the Christmas cards, penguins and polar bears would never meet in real life. So you need to go to both ends of the earth if you want to see penguins and polar bears. One trip won't do it. <laughs> that's, that's something that we should all learn if we don't know that already. Um, so in terms of ships, this is small ship cruising. Um, so tell us a little bit about your fleet. Yeah, absolutely. This is small ship expedition cruising. You know, these destinations are fragile and they are heavily regulated, um, rightly so, to protect the environment and the wildlife. Um, you know, and one of those regulations in Antarctica, for example, is that any ship larger than 500 passengers is not actually allowed to take guests on, on land at all. So those are called cruise buys. Um, you know, great opportunity for guests who have a smaller budget, but definitely not the best way to see Antarctica. Antarctica. The best way to see Antarctica is by going on land, stepping foot on the seventh continent. Um, and even once you get under 500 passengers, once you're between 200 and 500 passengers, the regulations state that those ships are only allowed a very limited access um, to, to a certain number of landing sites. So again, you know, you're not able to see the full scope of what Antarctica has to offer when you're on a ship of that size. Um, so for that reason, Quark Expeditions, we only operate ships under 200 passengers. So therefore, under the regulations, we are allowed to take guests to all of Antarctica's landing sites. Um, and with our small ship sizes, we can get really off the beaten track and make sure that we're maximizing the time and destination for our guests. Um, so we've got three ships in our fleet. One of them is a classic expedition ship. I would say, you know, roughly, if you're needing to look at, you know, standard, roughly three-star equivalent. Um, it's your classic sort of teak and brass interiors. You know, it's a very comfortable ship. It's got stabilizers. It's got a very high ice class for navigating the difficult icy waters. 
but inside it's a little bit more rustic. It's a little bit more reminiscent of, you know, what, what it might have been like for Shackleton and Scott and the Great Explorers, of course, with uh, a much more comfortable heated shit with stabilizers <laughs> and much better food. Um, no penguins served on board uh, our ships, but, um, you know, a, a bit more of a classic feel. And then we've got two ships in the luxury category. So one of them is our all suites, all private balcony vessel, which is the World Explorer. I just sailed on her in February in Antarctica. She's a beautiful, beautiful ship um, and handles the icy conditions very, very well. Um, but then we have the Ultramarine, which is our polar game changer. We actually built the Ultramarine. She belongs to Quark and she joined our fleet in 2021. Um, she's a gorgeous ship and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's key to know that she has two twin engine helicopters. So suddenly okay. now the Ultramarine, we can take guests off the ship on land, of course, out exploring in the Zodiacs. That's a crucial part of any expedition to the polar regions. But also we can allow our guests to see Antarctica or the Arctic from the air to give really a different, you know, perspective of, of the scope, the size and the scale of these immense mountains and glaciers and icebergs. So um, every guest that travels on the ultramarine gets an included flight seeing excursion as part of their voyage cost. Right. That's a pretty cool perk of traveling on the ultramarine. That's amazing. What a way to, to see the destination. Um, and the destination is clearly the key part of why people choose to head down to the uh, to Antarctica or up to the Arctic. But in terms of bringing that to life for guests, are, are there guest lectures? Is there an expedition team on board? So, so how does that work? Yeah, look, that's a huge part of it for us. The goal of every voyage is to get guests off the ship as much as possible. Yeah. You know, it's very different to a traditional cruise where, you know, we want guests on board. We That's not what we want at all. We want guests off the ship as much as possible. The ship is of course the accommodation it's your transport it's also your restaurant um, and it's also your lecture theater so um, we have an amazing educational program on board our tour guides in uh, inverted commas because they're not guides at all really um, they're experts they are our expedition team and they comprise a number of different you know experts of various fields from ornithologists to marine biologists glaciologists historians history is a huge part of any expedition to the polar regions. Um, so we've got just about every level of uh, expertise covered in our extensive expedition team. We do have the best ratio of expedition team member to guest in the polar industry. Um, so for every one expedition team member, there's uh, six guests. So industry oh, wow. average is about one to 10. Um, and to put that simply, it really just means that our guests can have a much more intimate experience both on board and off the ship. And that wherever they turn, there's an expert you know, on hand to answer any questions they might have. Our expedition team drive the Zodiacs. They also um, take our guests on guided excursions on landings. Um, they also deliver the educational program on board in the form of lectures, recaps, presentations, and then they dine with our guests as well. So that sort of educational program continues informally during meals. Uh, and, and we should just mention what a Zodiac is, because I guess for those people not familiar with expedition style cruising, this is something very different actually to the cruise, a, a normal cruise experience, shall we say. Thank you, Andy. Yeah, I've been selling polar for 10 years. And sometimes <laughs> I just use the terminology that, you know, I assume everybody knows. But of course, Zodiac is not something people would be familiar with unless they've been on an expedition cruise before. And even then, depending on where you go, they're referred sure, to yeah. by different names. So um, yeah. what we're talking about is a rib. 
Um, in the Galapagos, you would refer to it as a panga. In other parts of the world, it might be referred to as a tender. Um, essentially, it's a black inflatable boat. Um, yeah. We take 10 guests maximum with one driver, who's, as I mentioned, an expedition team member, one yeah. of our experts. Um, and so with that very small group of 10 guests plus one guide, um, we can take our guests on shore. We use the Zodiacs like ferries to take people from ship to shore because, of course, down in Antarctica, up in the Arctic, there's no ports. It's all wet landings. So it's all pulling up on a beach and uh, hopping out of the Zodiac onto the shore. Um, but we also use the Zodiacs to go out, you know, exploring to get a bit closer to wildlife, get a bit closer to icebergs, for example, um, see what we can see from the from the water level, really. So it offers, again, a different perspective of these immense uh, places. And, and you mentioned uh, the opportunity for guests to go ashore. And again, I think one of the big differences, I guess, to normal ocean cruising is that there in some times there is no fixed itinerary as such because it will depend on conditions. So, again, ex explain a little better than I can a little better on that experience yeah absolutely i mean you said sometimes actually the reality is that um there is never a fixed itinerary when it comes right. to expedition <laughs> cruising in the polar regions which personally i find that really exciting i always tell people that every single departure we run is like a fingerprint which will ever be repeated in the same way oh, wow. um not only because the weather and the wildlife dictate everything what's possible what isn't possible where we can where we can't go also because you know the the landscape and the wildlife is constantly changing throughout the season that we're down there so even if you were to go back to the same place one week later you know, the, the weather, the wind would have eroded some of those icebergs. So they've changed shape, they've changed form. Penguins have grown up, for example, they look different several weeks on. Um, so, you know, the encounters that our guests can experience are extremely unique. But ultimately, at the end of the day, nature is the tour guide. Um, these are um, very remote destinations, very powerful destinations with extreme weather, um, which can change very quickly. And uh, so, you know, nature really dictates what we can and what we cannot do. And beyond that, wildlife as well, because, for example, um, and, you know, and this happened to me in February in Antarctica, we planned to go on land, um, enjoy a nice landing, enjoy maybe a nice hike to a viewpoint. And then we had the most incredible encounter with a minke whale right by our zodiac oh, wow. that was right next to us, slapping its head up and down on the water. Um, and, um, you know, we, we, we enjoyed that moment. We said, OK, you know what? The landing can wait. We've got a really unique, exciting wildlife opportunity happening right now, like David Attenborough stuff happening right yeah. in front of us. <laughs> Let's enjoy this. So that's where going back to the expedition team, that's where their expertise come yeah. in to play because they know how to deliver exceptional experiences to our guests, regardless of what the weather and the wildlife conditions throw our way. So um, always something exciting to be seen and done, but um, it's not yeah. the type of trip for someone who, you know, needs to know exactly what they're going to be doing at 3 p.m. on day 14 of the voyage, because we don't know. Well, <laughs> our captain doesn't know. Um, the expedition team don't know, and the guests certainly don't know. Yeah, how exciting. Uh, and, and when we talk about Antarctica, of course, we talk about the peninsula itself and some of the places that you, you visit there. But do you go that there's other places around by where there's other wildlife opportunities? There's lots of penguins in other parts of that area. So are these places that you visit as well? 
Yeah, absolutely. So Antarctica and, and specifically the Antarctic Peninsula does tend to be the major draw card. Um, however, there's also the sub-Antarctic islands to explore of the Falkland Islands and South Georgia. Um, arguably South Georgia, well, it often steals the show for guests um, who combine all three destinations. For most people, South Georgia does tend to be the highlight um, for many reasons, but uh, mostly because of the enormous population of the king penguins, which is the second largest species of penguin on earth. And I mean, this is true David Attenborough stuff. This is known to be one of the greatest wildlife spectacles on earth to witness the king penguins in their hundreds of thousands in South Georgia. Um, South Georgia also has, you know, really green, really lush landscapes are very different to the ice of Antarctica. And of course, the Falkland Islands has, you know, the cultural element and the recent human history because it's the only destination of those three where people actually still live there now. Um, of course, people live in Antarctica and South Georgia, but, you know, they're researchers yeah. and they're not permanently living there. So um, Falklands does have a, a permanent community of people that inhabit the islands. Um, and then beyond that, we also on one of our voyages explore Cape Horn. Um, and then Diego Ramirez as well, which is a, a bird lover's paradise. Oh, wow. um, and then we also have an amazing voyage to round out the season that explores Patagonia. So whilst we do, I would say we really focus on the polar regions, um, we do also offer expedition cruising in Patagonia. Patagonia is so on my list. It really is. It's it? one of those places Mine I really too. want to go to. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too, but there's so many. That list just gets longer and longer when you work in this industry. Oh, no. Oh, no. One day, one day. Um, You mentioned the, the king penguin. There's also the emperor penguin that's also very popular. Are there specific places that you visit to, to see that penguin? Yeah, thank you for that question. So um, there are eight species of penguin in Antarctica and the sub-Antarctic islands. On the peninsula, typically there's three that we see very commonly. If you include the Falkland Islands in South Georgia, um, you can add another uh, three, sorry, four species to that. So seven all up out of the eight, if you visit those three destinations. But if you do want to see the emperor penguins, which is the biggest species of penguin on earth, um, for those that aren't aware of uh, what emperor penguins look like, it's happy feet. It's that, you know, beautiful <laughs> Disney film, happy feet. Um, also the March of the Penguin, that documentary yeah. from, gosh, I feel like that was 20 years ago or so now, it was a while ago, but still one of the best documentaries ever made, in my opinion. Um, those are the emperor penguins, the adorable gray fluffy chicks that sit on their parents' feet. Um, what's really special about the emperors is that they actually spend the full year in Antarctica. They're the only penguin species that actually overwinters in Antarctica. Um, the other seven species are not hardy enough. They head out to sea and don't stick around during the winter. Um, so, yeah, we do have one specific voyage that goes to visit the emperor penguins. Typically, you have to go quite deep into the Antarctic Peninsula, onto uh, the Antarctic continent to see them. Um, but there is one place called Snow Hill Island, which we have a really special connection with because back in 2004, Quark Expeditions actually conducted the first ever ground visit to Snow Hill Island and proved the existence of this emperor penguin colony, oh, wow. which is as far as we're aware, as far as scientists are aware, it's the most northerly uh, colony of emperor penguins in Antarctica. Um, so yeah, very special connection that we actually were part of that scientific discovery Amazing. and proved that they were in fact emperor penguins. Um, and so we're very excited to take guests back to Snow Hill again. We've got two 
two exclusive departures in November of this year um, on board the Ultramarine. Now, even though it's the most northerly colony of emperor penguins, that you know does mean it's a bit more accessible than some of the other colonies, but it's still a journey. You need a fully ice-strengthened ship to reach the colony. And then beyond that, you need helicopters um, to reach the island. So with our twin engine helicopters and our 1A ice class uh, expedition ship, the Ultramarine, we can take guests to enjoy a half a day with the, the emperor penguins. So it's a really, really exciting itinerary. It sounds amazing. Uh, and they are incredible looking penguins. I've not been up close to one, but they, they look incredible, very distinctive. Yes. Um, we should briefly mention uh, Arctic because we've focused a lot of time on Antarctic, but in terms of the Arctic, um, are, are you based anywhere for your turnarounds or are there, are there set itineraries there? And, and of course it's a different season to Antarctica for, for those who are not aware. It is, yeah. So the Antarctic season is the, the Southern Hemisphere summer. So that just finished up at the end of March. Um, and our um, ships are now on their way up north in order to start the Arctic season next month. So early May, our Arctic season begins. Um, and that goes through till October. So the whole Northern Hemisphere summer. Um, we typically start our season with Spitsbergen, which is the wildlife capital of the Arctic. It's home to 3000 polar bears, the best place on earth to see polar bears in the wild in their natural habitat, which is on the sea ice. Um, and we spend May and June there, a little bit of July as well, but we find that May and June are the best because Spitsbergen having just come out of a very long winter, that's when there's the most amount of sea ice. Now, the more sea ice there is, the better our uh, encounters with polar bears tend to be. Um, in July, our ships move on over to Greenland, um, where we spend uh, July and uh, a bit of August in Greenland. And then from mid-August onwards, um, our ships are focusing on the Canadian Arctic, so the Northwest Passage. Um, so that's typically how our Arctic season works. If you remember, I said, you know, Arctic is um, three different continents um, and multiple different destinations. So there's, there's a lot to see and do in the Arctic. Um, but those are the three main areas that we visit, Spitsbergen, Greenland, and, and then the Canadian Arctic. Fantastic. For the, for the travel agents that are listening to this, they may think that um, they don't have customers who'd be interested in expedition cruising or that, you know, may, may not have mentioned expedition cruising before. But I get a sense every time I talk to somebody who talks about expedition cruising, you hear the excitement and the thrill of the wildlife and the scenery, etc. So presumably expedition cruising is attracting new people all the time. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. Expedition cruising has not bounced back as fast as other sectors of the industry, but that demand is coming now. That bounce back is coming now. So it's a really great time to get yourself a bit more educated on expedition cruising and especially polar expedition cruising, because there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of focus in the media around climate change and around, you know, the changing polar regions. There's loads of documentaries, you know, Frozen Planet 2 just came out last year. Um, so there's definitely a lot of pent up interest uh, in reaching these amazing destinations. And what I would say to any advisor listening who doesn't think that they've got the clients is, well, have you ever had clients interested in going on safari in Africa? Have you ever had clients interested in seeing tigers in India? Um, have you ever had clients go to the Galapagos? Um, you know, want to see the gorillas in Uganda? Anybody who puts the focus on wildlife um, for their holiday of choice, 
is your polar client. They may not know it or it might be something they're planning years in the future. But, you know, start that conversation. Ask them, have they ever considered it? And uh, and go from there because actually our largest crossover is with clients who go on African safaris, much more so than people who take cruises. Interestingly, many of our clients have never been on a cruise before. Um, But, of course, to reach Antarctica or the Arctic, really the only option is is to cruise. So we get a lot of land travellers more so than cruises. We also get cruises, of course, you know, um, people who love to cruise and this is just their next destination. But, yeah, that's a little tip for you. Anyone who's uh, taken wildlife-based holidays, Costa Rica as well is another good crossover. Or anyone who just likes being outside, you know, anyone who likes nature, who likes hiking, people who like being disconnected, you know, there's not phone signal in Antarctica and the Arctic. Of course, there's Wi-Fi on board, but it's a really great opportunity to disconnect, to shut off those work emails, to switch off the BBC news updates and really be present in the destination. So any clients who like that style of travel, you know, those are the types of people who'd be keen on a polar expedition. So I would say just just throw it out there. Just yeah. suggest it and see what they say. And actually, I was speaking to an agent who has a shop front. So actually, they have walk-in customers. And they had simply put up on the wall a great picture of some penguins as a talking point. And actually, the number of people who said, I'd love to go there, I'd love to see penguins, allowed the travel agent to say, well, actually, I can get you there. So just talking about it can sometimes win people over. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people may not even realize that this is a destination that they can visit. So yeah. if you as their advisor are not suggesting it to them, how how could they know? Um, so, yeah, definitely have that conversation, bring it up. And you never know. Of course, these are, you know, you know, they, they have a price tag going to sure. some of the most remote places on Earth. I'm not going to lie. They are, you know, a bit on the pricier side. Um, but um you know, for the people that want it, it's uh, it's an amazing once in a lifetime ultimate bucket list, you know, type yeah. of voyage. And um, we have a very high repeat and referral business as well. So once you just get that first booking in, very likely their friends will want to book as well or they'll want to come back and do another trip. So yeah making memories. That's what travel industry does best. I think um, I can't let you go without telling me at least one of the experiences you had when you traveled with Quark and something that stands out for you or one of the memorable moments from your trip? Do you know what? There have been so many. I've been very fortunate. (laughs) I went to Spitsbergen last year on the ultramarine and saw nine polar bears in five days, including my mum and her cub. Um, And then I've just got back from Antarctica in February on the World Explorer. Um, Just had some incredible wildlife encounters there, especially with whales and leopard seals. But, um, you know, I have to say from a personal uh, standpoint, being up in uh, Spitsbergen on the ultramarine last year, I was fortunate enough to take my um, boyfriend at the time with me and he proposed to me on the helicopter. So we had spectacular views of glaciers and icebergs and mountains for my my special proposal. So that definitely has to be my favourite memory. (laughs) Um, And on that note, we get a lot of people wanting to celebrate their wedding in Antarctica. You can actually get married in Antarctica. So, um, yeah, or just a special honeymoon as well. But somebody proposing to you is not included in the cruise fair. It's not available to everyone. But- Sadly not. We don't provide the fiancé, unfortunately. <laughs> Just, you know, the, the magic moments to make oh, it happen. Lovely. Well, congratulations <laughs> on that. Um, uh, what a What a memory to, to have. Um, mm-hmm. If agents wanted to follow up and get some more information, what's the best way that they can do that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, we do have uh, an agent website. It's uh, quarkexpeditions.com forward slash agent. So that's your best starting point. Um, but honestly, I would say myself, um, I'm the business development manager for the UK and Ireland. So um, please do come to me. Um, I'm sure you, my contact information absolutely. will be provided yeah. with this podcast so please do reach out we've got an amazing team of polar travel advisors along with myself that are more than uh happy to help you with any inquiries that do come in perfect yeah there is a whole co uh, contact us section on our website on the clear website so that we'll be able to find your details and how to get in touch but sarah i could chat to you all day and for the rest of the day because your stories and uh, you know the paint the picture you're painting of antarctica particularly is is wonderful so thank you for taking time to talk to us and we wish you well for the summer season in the arctic thank you so much appreciate the time andy and that's just about all we have time for. Thank you very much indeed for listening. And thank you to Sarah for being an amazing guest on our podcast this time. Some of those destinations sound just incredible. My list of places to visit has just got a lot longer. Uh, well, look, there are plenty more podcasts for you to listen to on the clear website, which is cruising.org. But for now, thank you for joining us and we'll see you again very soon.